Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Brian Lehrer's Daily Politics Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Bridget Bergen, filling in for Brian today. Today marks the start of the BRICS Summit, bringing together heads of state from five non-Western major economic powers. We're talking Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They'll meet in person over three days in Johannesburg. Notably, President Vladimir Putin of Russia is unable to appear in person due to an arrest warrant issued by the International Criminal Court over war crimes in Ukraine. He's attending via video call instead. To understand the goals of the individual BRICS member states at this summit, as well as the broader ambitions of the group as a whole, I'm joined by Semaphore's Africa editor, Yinka Adegoke. Yinka, welcome back to WNYC. Thank you for having me. And and can you start us off with the basics? When was BRICS formed and for what purpose? So BRICS was um, formed in 2009. It actually came out of um, like a paper by um, a Goldman Sachs economist who sort of coined the term hmm. uh, BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China initially. Uh, and in 2010, South Africa was added to be, make it the, you know, bricks, the S on the end of that, of a brick. And the idea was, um, you know, basically economic cooperation, uh, uh, you know, multilateral development, the kinds of ambitions you'd expect from these emerging economies, right? Mm. Um, Initially, uh, and very early on, it was, as I say, it was very much about economic um, uh, cooperation. But over time, you know, there's been an emphasis on sort of geopolitical influence. Russia in particular has always kind of wanted that and 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 China more so uh in recent years under Xi uh Xi Jinping. Can you talk a little bit and you're starting to get into it but the power of the member nations in this group and and how they compare in population size and maybe GDP to say the G7. Right. I mean, here's the thing about uh, about Brexit. It's very much about the future of the world, so to speak, right? Because here you have already, uh, uh, as they are, uh, 40% of the world's population. I mean, you've got China yeah. and India in there already. Um, and they very much are, um, and I think they're about 16%, no, 25%, sorry, of the of the world's uh, aggregate GDP. So, you know, this is this is <laughs> these are not insignificant uh, countries as they are, particularly the the, the two really big ones in, in China and and India, um, and and the, the idea is that they they are hoping over time, even though this was they're informal on like say the United Nations or you know um, I don't know the World Bank or whatever they they they're kind of informal, but there's also a sense that we need to be some sort of counterbalance hmm. um to the you know the western uh hegemony as it is right now you know with with all the organizations we've mentioned there uh over time as uh china in particular although the econ- its economy is slowing down right now but over time um one imagines that um this will become a far more influential and important organization economically and uh as I said earlier, they would definitely want to uh, flex their muscles in geopolitical terms as well. 
I mentioned it when I did the introduction, Yinka, but obviously a big elephant in the room is the physical <laughs> absence of Russian President Vladimir yes. Putin. Um, it, you know, we gave the sort of broad reason for why he's not attending, but how does the war in Ukraine factor into discussions among these world leaders? What does his absence say to all of them? Um, and the relationships among these countries, particularly related to the war in Ukraine, are, are not all the same, right? Yeah, completely. But you're, you're, you're spot on. Uh, very different. And it's, to be to be fair, it's kind of nuanced. So I, one, it's, it's not very easy to just paint it in a sort of black or white uh, situation. But but definitely you have uh, China there who are kind of, you know, sort of uh, somewhat supportive of uh, Russia without actually, you know, sticking their necks out all the way. You have India, which is more aligned with the West, but at the same time is um, obviously importing oil from, from Russia uh, on the sides as well. Um, so, so, and and then you have South Africa, which has a has been in this very awkward and interesting situation um, with uh, President Ramaphosa, where they are constantly trying to show that well, we're not aligned with anybody, and we're not we're we're, we're neutral. But at the same time, so much of their economy uh, in South Africa is you know is linked to the West, so they have to also play uh, to the line very carefully. That you know um, the. It, it was interesting. We at Semaphore, uh, with our newsletter every, every um, a few times a week, we almost every story for for about two months was about um, will they or will he or won't he, and what does this mean <laughs> if he does? <laughs> yeah. It was it was that it just went back. It just went on and on because there's so much tension. I mean, listen, President Ramaphosa has enough problems and enough challenges in South Africa as it is. Um, and it's not in the strongest of positions, uh, and this was it was a huge issue. As to you know, at one point he he described it as um as, as it it would be a declaration of war if they arrested uh, Putin on South African soil. So, so they obviously didn't want that, and that and, and that went on for a bit. So yeah, so 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 it's different for all the different countries. They have different things they 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 they're more concerned about. But it's um it, it, it's also to to also take us back a, a few weeks. Um, Ramaphosa led um a group of African leaders to. Uh, both Russia and Ukraine to uh, act as a kind of uh, uh, to, be, to 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 broker peace uh, between both countries and and to see if there's a way to end this. Obviously, as you know, Ukraine is a particularly important country in uh, in terms of the uh, its uh, production of wheat of grain. Sure, uh, it's a big 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 food supply to to the world, including many African countries. Uh, and the fact that it's uh, so much of its uh, its supply has been has been stifled by by Russia and by everything going on is a big issue for many countries. So that's also on the minds of of all the leaders, and that will come up as well. I want to bring in one of our callers, um, Aaron in Manhattan, asks I think a pretty good global question. Aaron, welcome to WNYC. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So the question is, is, I figure that if these large powers get together and they actually want to create a better world, that they, that the goal wouldn't be to some kind of hegemony or political or economic power over one another. But uh, my my question, I guess, is can is the goal to come together to solve any problems 
in a different way to actually have a conversation or is is it to assert military might and the grab for the grab for other property Yinka, what are your thoughts on that that's, that's a great question it's a great question um listen what 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 let's say what they say what they say is we want to um have economic co- cooperation we're emerging economies and we want to um you know sort of uh find ways to work together particularly in the, what we we broadly call these days the global south right um to, to work together and to trade with each other more efficiently uh one of the big issues actually is um which we haven't brought up yet is this sort of de-dollarization of the global economy um that the that if say nigeria wants to buy something from china they have to first you know uh change it change their currency into dollars into us dollars to buy something from china or they wanted to import something from uh kenya wanted to import something from paraguay would have to you know first of all uh transact within in us dollars so there's this idea and discussion about how do we um get ourselves to depend less Mm-hmm. on this dominant US dollar. And now, to be clear, this is not the United States' direct fault in each individual case. This is simply about the economic might of the United States at this time in history, right? Um, but that's, as countries like China and India rise, they want to see ways in which um, they can reduce that uh, reliance on the US dollar. Obviously, there is, you know, if you're also, if you're a, uh, President Putin or or President Xi, you you also have sort of you know polit- geopolitical reasons why you want to rely less on the United States. Yeah, uh, but-, but just in just everyday practicalities, it, it's very tough for particularly the smaller economies, uh, and they will be looking for ways to figure this out. This is one of the key uh, topic areas. Uh, as for military might, I, I don't. This is not to to be fair. This is not. This is not really uh, an area of discussion much in in, in this particular context. The, the the way it happens, or the, the way this, the closest it comes to that is this kind of geopolitical um, cooperation between countries, right? So sure. if you're if you're if you're Russia, you, you know you you're you find yourself sort of isolated because of the Ukraine conflict, and you want to have you know other countries that. Uh, another forum in which other countries can work with you or partner with you. Yinka, one of the things that I thought was interesting is the creation of the New Development Bank, the BRICS Mm. counter to the IMF and World Bank. Um, It's seen as a major achievement of this group. Can you talk a little bit about what it is and what its economic capacity is? Uh, That's interesting that you say it's seen as a major achievement of the group. It's often seen as the only achievement of the group uh because making it very major (laughs) (laughs) exactly um and and that's you know i mean i know that sounded like a a bit of a put down it it wasn't necessarily so it was just to point out that they they, because of that kind of consensus uh led thing that i mentioned earlier they, they 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 haven't done very many formal things but they did do this one thing um one of the big issues we've seen over the last decade and the and voices have picked up a lot on this um within BRICS, outside of BRICS, it's a it's a huge big issue as to the reliance the do, you know the continued uh dominance of um 
of the sort of de- development finance by world by the World Bank and IMF, the the what we we in the business call the the Bretton Woods organizations. Um, it, 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 so, you know, a few countries have, and a few uh, uh, what should we call them? Continental groups have created development banks, but this one um, clearly with you know, bought three of the largest uh, emerging markets in the world. Um, well, four of them actually. Um, it's, it could be particularly influential. Uh, it's based in Shanghai. It's um, it has uh, you know lots of numerous projects uh, developing building roads, maintaining roads, uh, bridges, all the stuff you expect development banks to to do in um, in developing and emerging markets. Um, the, the hope, though, is that um, it becomes increasingly influential, right? Because it's not just about the projects, it's also about the kind of influence. If you think about the kind of influence that a World Bank has on the entire um development space you start to understand that you know what they they really want some other organizations to be able to as we say to use their word counterbalance this Hmm. um it's it's not just about building more roads and building more but it's about building them on terms that we we can have some influence over um and, and china in particular really cares about this and you can see that in their influence in the whole discussions around debts all over you know different you know they've lent lent money to bid for infrastructure projects around the world you know particularly in africa but not just africa southeast asia as well and latin america so there's a so so it's really it's a it's about it's something of um it's not just about development it's also about a battle of ideas right like you know yes you've done it this way and you've had control over the way it works we want to have some say over how it works because these are our countries and, and you know china sure. wants to be seen as a, as a leader in the sort of global south and 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 all these people are our friends and eventually if you think about it you know they're, they're not they're kind of playing for the long term they're not they're not playing for today they you know in a few years time um in only about 20 or 30 years time what year are we 2023 so by 2050 you know like one in four workers on, in the world would be African, right? So if you have an organization which includes uh, Africans as well as Chinese and Indians, you start to have, you know, you, you, you have organizations which have the vast majority of the world's population. Right. So it, it's a long it's a long term game for them. It's not it's not just about the bank for today. I want to bring <laughs> some of our, our listeners into this conversation. Let's go to Logan in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Logan, thanks for calling WNYC. Good morning. Thank you for uh, accepting my call. So, um, I'm listening to your your um, your guest. At least he's not the usual um, pro-American propagandist that NPR has been bringing on lately. I've been listening to this program for years. Anyways, uh, he, he's saying that um, he doesn't think um, military strength is behind this whole issue. Why then would America spend so much money on the military instead of domestic programs that would really help people? Logan, thanks for that call and and, and that issue. Um, we're so glad to have all variety of listeners to the Brian Lair Show and to WNYC. Um, Yinka, I think 
you know, what I heard in that call was some skepticism that this type mm. of alliance isn't, you know, one that is being uh, fortified for military purposes, that it is a pure economic alliance. But I think probably part of that conversation would also get to the fact that an economic alliance is could then turn into a military alliance because you would have a lot to protect uh, if you have come up. Yeah. With, so if you want to take respond to that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still stick to the point that, that that's not their primary purpose. And and I don't say that because um, I feel like, you know, it's all flowers and, and gardens and that kind of thing. And no one ever <laughs> thinks about military might. But more because look at the countries who are in here. Look at the leading countries. China and India are barely, you know, they can, they can barely be in the same room. Modi and, and President, uh, President uh, Prime Minister Modi and, and President uh, Xi, um, barely see eye to eye and they are they already have their their border problems as it is which is um sort of very there's a lot of tension there so it's it, it, you know if their primary purpose was military cooperation um this is perhaps not the way they would go about it. all these would not be the, the the countries that would be uh members um now your listener is correct in one sense you know uh over time who knows where this can go, right? Sure. This is the this would be the concern of the White House or anybody else, or uh, you know, in, in Washington D.C. watching this stuff. They 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 even even when I tell you that um, when I say, and this is a personal opinion, of course, that you know th this is not a has not been a very effective organization. Um, the, the that doesn't matter to the White House or to any other sort of those who care about U.S. Uh, foreign engagement, they, they will understand that, well, just seeing all these countries together um, uh, feels like you're just watching all the countries that have complained about the United States dominance mm. uh, for years in one room together, right? Just in, the, in a kind of optic sense, sure. it's, 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 it's a challenge. So people don't have to pull out, you know, nuclear weapons and threats and, and military might. They just... Uh, um, the, the very fact that these countries are all talking to each other, the U.S. is not part of it, is you know will be of some concern and, and, and of interest. You can you can you can be sure that sure. they're watching closely uh, this week. Inka, China is currently engaged in development projects across Africa, where this summit is taking place, as well as Latin America. What's the significance of Chinese development projects in the global South with regards to the summit? Well, uh, well, I, I'm not sure whether the, that will come up directly. It comes up indirectly because for, for two reasons, right? You're right, um, China is involved in uh, a lot of these projects, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with the, 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 the Belt and Road Initiative, which they mm. uh, put in place about, I think it's nearly 20 years ago now. Um, and they, well, not 20, yeah, 2013 was when it really kicked off. Um, so yes, they they will continue uh, to push the uh, their position as your go to partner infrastructure partner to build you know bridges and roads and all the rest of it. But there's also the discussion which will be happening on the side with some of the other countries about the uh, level of debt that has been racked up over time with with countries who have built things but can't quite paid back and it's caused a lot of consternation. The United States has been very uh, vocal about this, sure. uh, about the fact that so many countries have, have uh, found themselves uh, 
in you know sort of precarious situations in terms of the level of debt that they've racked up building all these projects some that are great and some that frankly are end up being you know white elephant projects or whatever um it, it, so so that will come up but it won't be the primary topic of discussion but it will come up this week it, it, sort of on the flip side of that despite it being such an economic powerhouse, um, China's also experiencing this substantial right. economic slowdown. So, you know, again, how does this affect China's goals for the summit and its standing among other members, you know, whether it's an explicit conversation or just sort of something that is uh, the backdrop of some of those conversations? Yeah, I think it would be the backdrop of the conversations. I mean, just to to even put it in context of how important this this conference is. This is only the second time President Xi has left China this year. Uh, it's my understanding. I think the only other time was to Russia for a short uh, visit. So this is like uh, as important as it's going to be for him uh, as the president and to make sure that China uh, is still seen as influential with these countries. This is where they see the future of the world. They want to continue to um, encourage development and to and for china to be seen as as the primary as the the leading partner in the global south this is this is something that i think he in particular his presidency has really pushed and we will see a lot more of that uh um over the week yank i'm assuming that we will be able to get updates on what happens at the summit from summit for his newsletter uh, upcoming yes. newsletters is that right Correct. Right. We we're, we're we're all over this. You can you can sign up for it at uh, sevenfold.com. Um, yeah, this is this is a big this is a big one. It's the probably the biggest diplomatic uh, event in in on the continent in in quite some time. Well, we will leave it there for now, but much more to come on that. My guest has been Yinka Adegoke, editor of Semaphore Africa. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Great discussion. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.